This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Tuesday, it's the 16th of January 2024. Coming up, more of your feedback today and driving blind. <laughs> That's not scary at all, is it? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Bow, bow. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Bow, bow. Bow, bow, indeed, Stephen Scott. How are you, sir? I bow bow to you. <laughs> I've never driven, Stephen Scott. Have you driven in real life? Hang on a sec. Did you say you're not driven? I'm not driven. Or did driven. you say you've never driven? <laughs> and I've never driven. Both. Both. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I have driven. I have. I've driven uh, on a number of occasions. Oh. Um, some of them I can tell you about. Some of them oh. I think, uh, you know, you know who might be on the phone. Oh, I see. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. I want to know the ones you can't tell us about. Because <laughs> they're, they're going to be more interesting. Yeah. Is, that what we, is that what we do on YouTube? <laughs> There's the hook. <laughs> the stuff we couldn't say on the show. Um, it's not a bad idea, actually. No, actually. Yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah, to write that down. That. Mm, yeah, I mean, we'll never, ever write that down, and that'll never happen. But yeah, know. I'm not driven. So I'm, not assu- exactly. I'm assuming that you've taken part in one of these um, blind driving days. Oh, yeah, I've done those. Um, I've only done one, actually. I keep putting my name down for them, but they're always, like, ridiculously far away. It's The, the irony is to try and get to it. <laughs> yes. You need a helicopter, you know, a couple of planes, a uh, camel, you know, maybe with any chance of actually getting to the the car, which is kind of strange. I think it could come to me, considering what it is. But anyway, uh, yeah, I did. But the only thing was, the one I did, it, it kind of irritated me because the driver, the guy, the, the instructor... Yes. wouldn't let go of the wheel. <laughs> no. That sort of tells me a lot, because I'm pretty I, sure that usually they do let go of the wheel. Stephen's got, when he's sat on your lap screaming and gripping the wheel, <laughs> I think that tells me quite a lot. Oh, that would be annoying. Do no, you want the feeling at least of some yeah. sort of freedom? That's the whole See, point we of like having a, a drive. It was like a track we were on, so it wasn't like it was a... A, a lot of these things tend to happen uh, on abandoned runways. Yes, um, makes sense. Which is good because the size, right? You've got that space and, you know, the whole thing is just do not turn left. I did once drive a car through a caravan park. This might be a little bit um, oh. mobile home park. Is that the right phrase? I, I don't know what the right equivalent okay. is. All right. Abroad. Trailer park. Is that a thing? Trailer park. Yeah. I mean, you get you know, the gist, th- listeners. Yes. In, in places like America, for example, these are places people live. Uh, here, we consider it a vacation. Yes, absolutely. I know you might be thinking, seriously? But yes, we, we do consider this to be a vacation where we go from our lovely, beautiful concrete homes to yes. plastic homes. <laughs> and we live in them for a week and, uh, you know, get buffeted by rain and wind. And, and sleep howl. on a table. Yeah, no, it's, and it's sleep, sleep on a table that turns into a, you know, a four-poster kitchen in the morning. <laughs> it is ridiculous. But yeah, people do that for fun. And I was driving around this. And I will say, my friend was with me. And he said to me, okay, I've been going on, Am. Please let me drive your new Jeep. Please let me drive your new Jeep. And he said, okay, I'm driving along this tiny little road. But the problem was, a van now comes the opposite direction. <gasps> and it needs to get past. Uh-oh. That's okay. So he's trying to, my friend is trying to tell me how to get the car out of the way of the van, which involves of mounting onto the grass. Yeah, yeah. 
which is fine, I suppose. But of course, I have got no sense of, well, sight. So um, No sense, yes. And no sense. So yeah, so here I am. And I did that thing. This was the proudest moment for me. So I get the, the, the car out the way of the van. And as the van's going by, I gave the wave. Oh. The, you know. Oh, well done, yeah. sir. Did you have your shades on and your white stick? <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Oh, lovely. There you go. Just letting you buy. Uh, lovely else, stuff. Anyone else want to buy? Any other cars? <laughs> Family wants to cross the road on you go. I'll be honest with you. It blows my mind how people can drive. I, I, I yeah. just, I, I, when I'm sat there in a car, I always think, how, how do you keep track of where everyone else is and when to go? And it seems like the most complicated thing in the world to me. Yet people are having the radio blaring and dancing about and having conversations. It blows my mind. I, you know, the thing for me was at that time, I wouldn't say my vision was brilliant. It wasn't, but it was a little bit better. And it was at that time I was going through this phase where I was absolutely convinced there was nothing wrong with me. Oh. Or if there was anything was wrong with me, it could be fixed. Mm. You were, and it was around rebelling. the same... T- yeah, I was a little bit. I mean, we're talking maybe 20s, my early 20s. And uh, I was just... I was so convinced. I you were going to say. Uh, that'd been appropriate, yeah. <laughs> well, in hindsight, that'd have been a good joke. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just went through this whole thing where I was like, you know, I, there's nothing wrong, or this can be fixed. You know, it's not as bad as they're making out. And they keep telling me it can't be fixed. They just don't know. There must just, be science. So I'm going to drive around to prove no, it. No, no, no. But it wasn't that. It was just, I was convinced that I could, I, I, was, I was convincing myself I could drive. And my friend, I think, was wanting to let me get out of my system for a little bit. And actually what it did was it gave me a wake-up call because I realised, I mean, I'm literally driving at like 10 miles an hour around this this place. I mean, crawling, trying to see over the windshield. And, you know, he's telling me, okay, we're going to stop here. And, and at one point he said, stop. And I stopped and we, we pulled the car over. And he said, yeah, it's just there's, there's people. There's a lot of people coming up about, around about us. And we're not going to drive around those people, okay? We're, we're not, don't mind driving down the road, but there's people far out the other sides, but not while they're on the road. So, right. you know, that and was did it, you, right? You and didn't I, even know I, they were there, right? I didn't know the van was there. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the moment for me when it was like, you know, we're going to have to pull into the left because there's a van coming. And I'm like, what van? And he said, yeah, this is the problem, Steve. <laughs> yeah, this is why you can't drive. It's true. But, but we know that way those you, moments, you, you, right? But you do. You go through this. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not everyone does it. Maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. But there's so much. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of emasculation that comes with, with vision loss. And especially for us guys. And I know these days we're all supposed to be, you know, free loving and, you know, everyone's everything. Thank but pardon? I just... Well, I, I, I know I, I didn't get the menu memo either. I think I'm a bit late to that. I didn't party. get the menu. <laughs> <laughs> but but I did. You know, I, I kind of feel that today we don't talk about that as much. And I feel people want men to talk about their feelings. Well, this was my feelings. This was certainly my feelings then. Still applies today. Like you know, I, I would think about having kids, and I'd always think about not being able to drive. You know, so if we had kids. Mm. And those kids want to go to a thing or my wife is out somewhere for the evening and, you know, it's cold and it's wet and she calls me and she says, hey, you know, I want to get home, but I'm struggling to get a taxi. You want to be there. You know, you want to be the guy that goes pick her up, right? I mean, of course. I'm, I don't think that's particularly toxic masculinity there. I just think it's just a guy wanting to be a guy, right? You've got and to let those things go, right? You, you have or, to or let at least them go. Give it, you sort of give that 
away to someone else, that control. I totally it's get horrible. I totally get it. Yeah. And horrible. it is all, it's almost, oh, what's the phrase? Passage of rights, the, the, the whole driving thing. And, mm-hmm. and when you're, you know, I remember going through it as a teenager. And no, you, there's no way you can go for your lessons or test. And it's a big thing to give up, especially when everyone around you is going through that, getting their first car and all that, and being able to do whatever they want, that freedom. It's a big thing to give up. Oh, God. Hang on. I'm going to mute myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is true. It's tough. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I I remember going to the consultant and I sat down with him and I said, you're going to fix me. Or else. You can fix this. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, you can fix this and you're just not telling me how. And he sat me down and God love the guy. I mean, honestly, he he was wonderful. And he came over to me and he said, look, I, there's things we can do. And here's what they are. And he proceeded to go through the list of things that he could do. And all of them were utterly horrifying and terrifying. And none of them were guaranteed to solve anything. Yes. And he said, we can do all that and we might find that we get a solution. We also may find we get no solution or we find we have a whole new problem. He said, but you have to learn to accept that you do have this condition. You have to accept this is what you have. And it took me a long time. And, and that helped. That conversation did help. But it was before that conversation that I'd had my friend and he just got the new Jeep and he was going on about it. And I'm sort of like, take me to take me to just an empty patch of land. I just want to drive. I just want to drive. Yeah. So we did the driving around and it was fun, but it wasn't fun. It was also terrifying. And I, and I came away from that experience thinking, in a way, it was the right thing to do. It was the wrong thing to do and the right thing to do all at the same time. It's not good to do it because obviously, you know, and, and again, I was in a safe place. I wasn't a dangerous Yeah, anybody, you had someone with you. You weren't being yeah, reckless. I wasn't on my own. You knew how to no. control the car, right? I mean, there's loads of people out there who drive cars today who I think are still in that position where they're driving. There's an ad actually just started on TV here, uh, you know, for people who, who are driving and who are struggling, missing things on, on the road because they're, they're still driving while their eyesight's affecting them. It's, the eyesight might be going. And that can be a real danger, but it's so hard to give up. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally I get understand it. that. You know, and yeah. I didn't give it up. I didn't have it in the first place, but I, I feel like I lost something, even though I didn't. So anyway, this all to say... <sighs> Wow. We're going to talk about this today with uh, Ross Miner. Now, Ross, we're not talking about it from this perspective. That's for Sean and I. But Ross and I are going to talk about the game Forza Motorsport, which I think is the closest we're going to get to actual driving at I'll any point. I'll do for me. Yep. Well, look, two ways to look at this, right? One is, uh, you know, if you want to drive an actual car, it's probably going to be in simulation like this. But secondly, there's probably not going to be cars to drive in 20 years' time. They'll all be driverless anyway. That's so true. No one will be driving. Yeah, we hope so. So we're going to talk about that with them today. I'm looking forward to that, actually. But an interesting conversation because this is the whole thing about games consoles and, you know, is it time for us to think about buying them? And I think there's a conversation there. Maybe we should talk about that on YouTube, actually. That'd be interesting. Whether it's time to actually take the plunge into the console world. Mm. It's been a long time since the SNES, but yeah, maybe Super Nintendo. Well, are there enough games? You know, are That's there enough the games to warrant it? It's not a cheap purchase anymore, just for the console itself. And then how much entertainment are you actually going to... There's nothing worse than getting a game and it you just can't play it. It's soul-destroying. There, I've said it. But it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those moments, again, where you realise, oh, I can't do this either yes. as well as something else and you know if you get enough of those it can be hard work but it does seem like you know accessibility in gaming is something i'm I'm taking more interest in now 
Yeah, I think the more games that come along, it makes it more sensible or more, you know, at least when you have the discussion with other people. That's right. You say, I'm thinking about buying a console. You think, well, at least there's a reason to buy it rather than just, you know, there's one game on there that I can play. Now, in saying that, I think there's a lot of people who probably just play the one game over and over again. So maybe in some ways we look at it the wrong way. You know, if you really like a game and you get on with it, then, <laughs> then That's what's true. the problem? Yeah, Tetris on Game Boy. It's the only thing I could play, but oh, yeah. I love that with the clip-on magnifier on it. Oh, Snake, shut up. Come on now, stop I know, it. I can really play Snake on oh, my Nokia. Okay. I can see it to play, but I, I liked it. I liked the idea of it. I mean, it was a game on the phone. I, do you know what? I've never <laughs> get into games on the phone. I know a lot of people do get into them. That Dice World thing, I still to this day don't understand it. I know everyone loves <gasps> to rave about Dice World. but Dice World's very cool. But you know just, you're, just, you're just rolling a dice. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm, I'm, I like it. But the thing I'd like and what's missing is that multiplayer aspect. That's the thing, especially in our community. You know, a lot of us know the names of each other from other places, from other email <laughs> lists. Or all groups. us blind people know each other. It's, yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> how dare you? But yeah, kind of. There yeah, is a lot true. of that. And um, that multiplayer aspect, it's good. That's that's what I really like about that. And there isn't enough of that. There's also, what, RS Games? That was another one that's mm-hmm. quite cool. But I don't know of any other multiplayer games where you can play like that. Um, okay, look, before we get into all the gaming thing, uh, because, of course, there's loads to talk about, we're going to get uh, some of your emails through. So I want to get to uh, Greg, who got in touch. Our good old friend Greg in Pennsylvania. I heard from him in a while. Uh, so, Greg, lovely to hear from you. Happy New Year to you. I think we can still say that. I think that's still allowed. Eh, just about. Okay. Kind of just New on Year, the line. Greg. Yes. Uh, Laura reads our emails. Hi, guys. I don't watch much television or many movies since losing all of my sight. As even with audio description, without the visual element, I would just prefer to read a book. But one of the few programs that have still interested me a bit, I have not ever been able to find audio described in the US. Does anyone know if the oldish British TV series Doc Martin has been audio described? On a side note, way back in the day, when my exposure to British television was limited to Alistair Cook presenting British imports on Masterpiece Theatre, some really great programming. Then I actually travelled to the UK and discovered how dreadful British television was in the late 1960s, (laughs) even worse than the worst of the American television at the time. In the years since... PBS has continued to feed us excellent British programming, even if we get it years out of date. Speaking of things out of date, I have managed to make it through your several days of discussing cakes, chocolate Santas, why not Father Christmas in the UK, and edible year-old muffins. Don't you know about apparently immortal hostess Twinkies that last decades? I am legally obligated to mention in Pennsylvania the far superior Tasty Cake Company and their array of pastry concoctions – as riveting as these discussions may be, would you consider spending some time comparing and contrasting how AI is being implemented on the various wearables such as Envision, OrCam and the other wearables soon to be released? Even that mainstream AI pin, if it's worth considering. Thanks, Greg in Pennsylvania. Oh, Greg, your obsession with us talking about tech, trying to bring us back on topic. How absolutely right you are um <laughs> can i just say firstly tasty cake company best name ever that's fantastic never heard just of buy it. from there when you even no matter yeah, what it was you buy something from it. i want a dot com that's fantastic um okay we know uh, the envision i mean i'm not buying them for, for a start so um steven uh well actually on that point you will uh be pleased to hear greg Uh, shocking as this may uh, appear, but we are going to be talking about that and uh, other... Breaking news. Ah, We are going to be talking about Envision and OrCam 
in an upcoming episode because uh, we're going to be uh, joined by uh, a team a member of the team from Orcam to talk about the Orcam Read 3 in particular, which is an interesting little device uh, because of the fact that it allows you to do all of this on device. There's no sort of sending to the cloud. There's no privacy issues. All of that is, is kind of secure and safe in, in the device and supposedly very fast as well. So I'll be intrigued to talk about this, but of course the question of price always comes up again, but then... I think we're going to have to park that conversation when we talk about, you know, or cams no. and envisions. I, well, I think we have to no. because otherwise you. Well, no, then you only focus no. on the price and you don't focus on anything else. I, I was just going to say, actually, Greg brings up a good point about just comparing the functionality of them all. Yes, okay, I always bring up the price because I think it is important. But it is how, important. Do, how do they compare functionality and feature set wise? It's it's a good point. The, the tricky thing is just getting hold of them. You know, where to, to try these things out. It is quite difficult. We mm. do know someone who's getting the humane pin, hopefully. So uh, mm-hmm. we're going to have to call in some favours and, and get some um, uh, some reviews that way, I think. Well, yeah, and I, I'm going to talk about the Envision glasses in the coming weeks. In fact, it's probably sooner than you uh, imagine because uh, I, I want to get into that, actually. It's, it's been a really interesting product. There's been a reason I've been holding back a little bit. That will hopefully be resolved very soon. Uh, It's nothing to do with Envision at all. It's to do with the sunglass element because you actually can buy an additional element for the Envision glasses, which allows you to wear them as sunglasses uh, versus having that little wire that you wear, which is great for people who don't like wearing glasses necessarily or don't need glasses, which I don't, but I do need sunglasses when I'm out and I can't really wear them without them. So that's been my biggest challenge. Uh, so I do have all the bits, but unfortunately, I don't have the wherewithal to put those bits together. Well, uh, and you know me, hammers and screws, all of that. So, you know, probably best not to do that, that and leave it to part, a professional. part of your impression anyway? Because you're meant to be able to do that yourself, right? Clip the, the lenses in yourself, isn't that? You don't I don't have think to. so. No, Really? You've got I, to I take them to a ophthalmologist or Well, I'm optician. taking them to an ophthalmologist, yeah, because I don't have a clue. Not the yeah, optician, yeah, you're right. Optician, yeah. Because I don't have a clue what I'm doing, and right. I don't want to break okay. it. So, yeah. We will work on that, Greg. We promise. And Orcam as well. We'll be talking about Read 3 and some other exciting announcements. They made at CES this year. We'll get into all that. So, yeah, that's all to come. Oh, it's an exciting year already. It's only January. Um, ET's been in touch about HomePods. Hello, Sean and Stephen. I'm sending you some information on how to connect your HomePods and your HomePod minis to your Apple TV permanently. Oh. First step. Press and hold down your home button on the right just above your up-down volume, a manual pop-up that is a control panel. Then you swipe down to where it says audio. Activate the audio button using the activation key, the round one in the centre at the top of the remote. Then swipe down to the speakers that you want connected to your Apple TV. Once selected, then press back button, which is the top button on the left side of the three buttons on your remote until you get back to where you are at the beginning. Then press the home button to get away from the control panel. At this point in time, your Apple TV should connect to the HomePods or the HomePod minis that you chose to have connected. They will now stay connected permanently. Your default speakers on your TV will still be active only for your voiceover. Your speakers will be controlled by the up-down volume button. From now on, the voiceover and speakers on your TV will stay at that level until you disconnect from these. The only problem here is that there is no voiceover telling you that the speakers have been selected or deselected. So if you have someone who is visual, it helps. If you don't, be aware that it will work. And if you want to disconnect them, you go back into the control panel, go down to where it says what are connected, press that, it'll bring it to the next menu, go down until you hear the home pods that you had connected, 
Press that again, then press your home button to get out of there and you will be back on your TV speakers. Hope this helps. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. P.S. When you are surfing through your program guide on your Apple TV, your voiceover will speak through your television speakers, but not necessarily through your home pods. The home pods will connect as soon as you turn the show on. The exception to this is Amazon Prime. For some reason, that connects through everything, but it all works very well. Have fun. Elma Thiessen, the original E.T. Wow. Thank you, E.T. That's very timely because uh, over the weekend, I was trying to do just that. And I was asking a friend of mine, who's a, a bit of a nerd as well, how I could do this permanently. And we couldn't quite figure it out. Now, the way I've been doing it is going through the settings and then going to audio and video. And then in the audio setting there, audio output, I simply have default audio, which is constantly set to TV speakers and there's no way to change it. And the other one is temporary output. And that's the one where I can select my home pods, but it doesn't, as you would think, it's not temporary. So it does disconnect after a while. Um, but I did recently find the control panel, which must be a new um, TVOS recent update. I mean, I don't use it that often, but I just did find the control panel and exactly that the uh, ability to select and deselect various speakers because at one point I did have it coming through my TV speakers and the home pods at the same time which mm-hmm. was incredibly annoying and I did figure out that actually voiceover doesn't announce like home pods selected or home pods deselected it there is a, a missing um a prompt there but I did figure out that you'd need to click select on those so i think i've sorted it though it's not the easiest thing it's not as straightforward as it should be but thank you so much for that i appreciate it well this leads me nicely into something what steven bought this week i bought something else more more Uh, this is kind of cool so uh on the and this is what brought up the the subject of apple tv so i hate hate i say the Apple TV Siri remote. Oh, just blah. I'm sorry, that was the thing there. In E.T.'s email, press the select button, which is the middle button at the top of the remote. I've still got the Siri remote. Okay. Has that changed in the 4K? Apple TV um, 4K? Is it a different remote? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. I don't have the 4K, so okay. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, here's what I do have. A, a new remote control for the Apple TV because I decided it was time to get something different. And this came up somewhere on a review. Uh, one of those, you know, you see it as it flashes past you on X or on Mastodon or whatever, a CNET article, mm. whatever it was. And it said, oh, a new remote control for your uh, Apple TV. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So it's called the Function 101. And that's all one word, Function 101, the numbers. Uh, Function 101 button remote for Apple TV and Apple TV 4K. Now, unlike the uh, original Siri remote, it's not Bluetooth, it's infrared. So it says it will work out of the box with the Apple TV. So I'm intrigued to try that out, just arriving today. So I'm looking forward to testing that out. Um, But yeah, it's got all the buttons, no touchpads, none of that nonsense. It is just simple buttons. So it's got your uh, directional pad on there, up, down, left, right, the OK button in the middle. You've got a menu button at the top. Buttons, buttons, buttons. Uh, Actual buttons buttons with you. Volume up and down, all that, you know. Uh, Of course, you can control your TV with it as well. It can control some sound bars. Um, so looking forward to testing all that out because I think that'd be pretty cool. I'd love to have something that's just a bit, I, I cannot get used to that. The problem is because I have to feel my way to the button on the Apple TV remote, I'm always swiping on that touchpad. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean, but I, I mean, it's it's fine. I use it okay. I just tap on the edges of that surface bar to move left and right. The biggest thing for me was when we switched over from that navigation mode and explore mode with the two-finger triple tap. I, mm. I, I was lost for ages. I, it wouldn't go down. I could only go left and right, and it was that. Um, <laughs> but once I figured that, it, it was fine. Um, yeah, I, I can understand that. It is slightly... When I put it on the arm of the sofa, you just don't want to touch it again because just picking exactly. it up and suddenly it's doing something else. So yeah, I also it's so slippy; it just falls anyway. I just don't falls like off the, the side of the couch. I don't like the IR aspect. My Apple TV is hanging mm. down the wall behind the sofa, so that right. definitely wouldn't work for me. Yeah, that's that is the only thing I must have. It'd been good if it was Bluetooth, but you never know. Maybe they'll develop another one, yeah, or maybe well, there's an alternative. How, how much was that one, Steve? Thirty dollars. Oh, not too bad. Okay. Yeah, especially mm. if it does, you know, there's so many remotes I've got now to get things working. I know. You want to cut it back, don't you? Yeah. Uh, look, stick around. We've got a great email coming up from uh, David Ward uh, responding to one of our listeners' questions. Tracy got in touch with an issue with her iPhone 11. Hopefully David has the answer for that for you next. And also we're joined by Ross Miner talking all about Forza Motorsport next on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567 or email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Hello, Stephen and Sean. This is David Ward, the pod, just responding to an email you got from Tracy about an iPhone 11 she recently upgraded to and dropped phone calls or hangups or something was going wrong. And uh, just thought I'd chip in maybe my thoughts. I've been an iPhone user with voiceover all the way back to the iPhone 3GS. In fact, it was the very reason I got an iPhone was because of those features. And I uh, just thought I'd mention a few things. By the way, Sean, I get a real kick out of the fact that you like to use auto mode, which is the default setting whenever you're a voiceover user on iPhone, where it detects whether it's held up to your head or if you pull it away. I call it Captain Kirk mode. <laughs> you know, it's like him is talking on a communicator where it's on speakerphone mode. And uh, historically, you're right. That has always been, you know, when it worked great, it worked great. And then they seem to do a software update and it didn't work right. So it's always drove me bonkers. And hence, I've always shut it off uh, the where it routes the call. And that's under accessibility as well. Uh, and where I think it's probably under voiceover where it routes the speaker. Now, that may apply in this context because the default setting is to hit the button on the side of the phone, the lock, unlock, slash power on, power off button, to hang up. And that has always worked that way. What may be confusing to some, and is why I disable this auto mode feature, is because if you press it while you're on the call and it's held up to your head and it's still in what I would call handset mode, it does hang up the phone call. But if you have the phone out away from you where it's in speakerphone mode, aka Captain Kirk mode, it does not. It just locks the screen. And I think the logic there is that, you know, you'd be sitting the phone down on a desk to have a speakerphone conversation be hands-free and you're just wanting to save the battery life and hence lock the screen. And so that's why it works that way. But it's always drove me nuts because I've always wanted to be able to hang up the phone call by using that lock button so i always disable it and if i need to make a speakerphone call i just say call you know peggy sue on speakerphone and that works fine that's a that's a siri command 
Apart from that, for Tracy's problems, that uh, that would be something to check. The first thing I thought of is a new iPhone, maybe a new iPhone case you got, Tracy. And some of these new cases are really, you know, they, until they get broke in, they're really dense, they're really uh, snug up against the phone. And it could be applying, especially if it has a cover over that button on the side, that lock button, applying a good deal amount of pressure on there. Now, that's good. It's going to protect the button. But the problem is, is maybe even with the slightest of touches on the side of the phone, it could maybe hang up. If it's a brand new case and in the phone with the button slightly in different places than your last iPhone, you could be just clinching the side of the phone in the wrong place and you're hitting that lock button and hence hanging up the phone call by mistake. So I would seriously consider that. You could take the case off for a day or so and see if your problem goes away with phone calls, although that would probably scare me to death. You could get a cheap little $10 case and try that, see if it makes a difference. Alternatively, you can go into accessibility and go under touch and it's about two pages down in the settings you can shut off the lock button hang up feature so it is on by default but you can shut it off and that too will give you a clue if you shut that off and then you notice for the next couple of days you're not losing phone calls well then that was the problem you were probably maybe that case was a little dense and it was pressing up against that button you were just slightly tapping it and it was hanging up apart from that i don't think there's much else that could do it uh you know i uh, the two finger Hang up feature on screen. It takes some real gymnastics to do that while holding up against your face. I don't think I've ever done it by accident that way. Um, If you had set up something way in the past, a customization like double tapping on the back of the phone to hang up or something and you forgot about it, that's the only other thing I could think of. Apart from that, the practical things would be seeing if your carrier's actually dropping your calls. Maybe you're going in between towers. It is a new phone. Maybe the SIM card needs to be updated with the new towers listing or something like that. If that's the problem, ultimately that might be a a reason to look at a different carrier or see if your carrier supports Wi-Fi calling. That way when you're at home or the office, if you're connected to Wi-Fi, you won't have those dropped calls. It'll be much more or less likely, assuming that's, you know, where you're taking most of your phone calls. But anyway, just hope that helps you, Tracy. Thought I'd share that with you guys and uh, appreciate the show. And uh, it is a tech show, really. Thank you, David, and uh, appreciate that. As always, good to hear from David. You can check out his Echo Tips podcast and uh, keep up to date with everything he's talking about. He's very excited, of course, about all of the uh, latest new features, the new beta features that are coming to Lady A. So I uh, look forward to catching up with him soon to tell us more about that. Right, let's move on because I want to talk about gaming. Uh, I know it's a topic we don't often discuss on the show, but of course, with all these new games coming out with loads and loads of accessibility features, it seems appropriate for us to talk about it here on Double Tap. We have with us the blind gamer himself, Ross Miner, who is a huge fan of the new Forza Motorsport game because, of course, of all of its accessibility built in. And, uh, you know, instead of just talking about games and, you know, how accessible they are, I wanted to really dig into the accessibility of this particular game and ask that question, you know, can a blind person drive a car in this game? Totally blind person. Uh, Well, Ross is here to help us with the answer. Ross, good to have you on Double Tap. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. 
it is great to talk with you because I know you're extremely excited about Forza Motorsport. I am too, and I am someone who doesn't even own a games console. Well, actually, that's not strictly <laughs> true. I have got a PlayStation 4. Does that still count as a gaming console these days? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, technically, your iPhone counts as a gaming console yeah, as well. That's so. true. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, look, yeah. so much to talk to you about, Ross, because I know you're very excited about Forza. I, I think we should just dive right in. What is so great about Forza and, and why are you so excited about it? Oh, man. So just just so many reasons. Um, first being that this is a historic game. This is the very first racing game that is completely accessible to uh, blind gamers from the ground up. Um, there may be like racing games in the past that you could kind of play and stuff like that. But like this is straight up like the fully through and through accessible experience. And that's what makes it so exciting for me because um, the, before I was blinded as a kid, I loved playing racing games. And after I went blind, I was like, well, you know, this is video games as a whole. were just very difficult to play, but especially racing games. Um, and so when I found out that this game was coming out, I was like, just o- over the moon. Um, and I was really curious, you know, how it was going to be done um thankfully i got to like play test the game like uh for like a couple hours almost a year ago so i've i've known about this coming out for a while and i had to keep my mouth shut so (laughs) that must have been um, difficult oh it was very (laughs) difficult um but yeah like i i firmly believe that the feeling of going fast especially in a car unrestricted is something that blind people don't often get to experience you know, you can go in a parking lot and have a sighted person, you know, let you drive a car and tell you where to go. But it's just it's not the same as just going really fast. So kind of similar to The Last of Us, if anyone's familiar with kind of how groundbreaking those games were for blind accessibility, this is is equally, if not more groundbreaking, in my opinion. <laughs> it's just incredible, isn't it, how far we've come in terms of the game accessibility. What was it like when you you got your hands on the game. You, you, so you, I'm, is it still a DVD? Do you still get a DVD you put in the system, or is that am I really old when I say that? You just download oh, it these no. days. <laughs> I mean, okay, so you're not you're not old for saying that, but like it is a very contentious topic because oh. you have digital, which is just you know infinitely more convenient to get. Yeah, but then there are many people who still use discs because they like owning the game. You know, if you have digital. those games could one day no longer be supported on a new console or they could Mm. no longer, the servers could no longer be up. However, with a disc, a lot of the times or with with games these days, uh, there are bug fixes, patches, updates that are uh, provided for the game over its life cycle. Well, when you have a disc, you get the base game. So like, let's say there are accessibility bugs with the base game that were later patched. You would have to update the game and so like if the game you know 10 years down the line the servers are no longer active you only have the base version of the game and so it's it's a very mixed bag um and then you know there's organization purposes and all that but um generally yeah like discs are 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 still a thing for sure oh well thank you for not making me feel too old uh because you know (laughs) i still remember the days of my xbox 360 
uh, you know, yep. putting in the disc and all the rest. And I, mean, I remember, and you know, with the PlayStation 4, it was kind of my first taste of those kind of downloadable games. And I kept thinking to myself, what if this hard drive goes wrong? Or what if something goes wrong with this system or it just breaks down? Have I lost yeah. everything, you know? But of course, it's yeah. like anything these days. It's like music, books, movies. It's all digital now. That's, that's where it's all mm-hmm. heading. Uh, so you get your hands on Forza. And you sit down and you play it for the first time with these accessibility features. And we'll get into the specifics on what those are. But just tell me your first thoughts on, on opening up the game and, and being able to navigate the game as well. I bought the game, um, like the premium edition. So I got like five days early access before it came out. Um, and then I streamed it on Twitch. And it's the thing is, is that like it's difficult at first. You or others may know that like with accessible products with assistive technology there's often a learning curve and that's really no different with video games especially like the more complex the mechanics are and so the first time streaming on twitch uh i always like to say that i was literally driving like a blind person um but then like (laughs) a week or so later you know i'm i'm getting noticeably considerably better and the thing is is that like you know i've had a ton of time to play as much as other people but with that aside I would consider my, consider myself an average driver because, you know, there's an entire uh, Forza Discord of blind drivers and they are just out of this world. Like they are tearing it up on the track. Like they are regularly, frequently competing alongside sighted players online and things like that. Like they are so good. And I'm like, I am I am not there. But I and so that just goes to show um just, you know, the variety of skill levels and just kind of what blind people can do when they, they harness this, these accessibility features. Well, it just turns us into everybody else, doesn't it? It makes us the same as yeah. everyone else because, you know, there are good players of every game. There are exactly. bad players of every game, right? It just puts us in that same level. Yeah, just like the same level of footing, exactly. And so um, I I love the game, like... I love kind of competing against myself, so to say, and just I, I've had gaming sessions where like, you know, these days I, I'm fairly busy. I only put, if I sit down and play video games, I'll be able to maybe play for like an hour or so. Um, but like I could easily sit there on, on a single track and just drive in circles for like two or three hours. And I've done mm-hmm. it because like it's just so I don't know, like it's, you know, you get the thrill of like competing against yourself, trying to get a faster time, but at the same time, like it's still relaxing in a weird methodical way. Like you, you almost kind of go into a trance and you're like, all right, I know this turn's coming up. I know this turn's coming up. And then like next thing you know, like an hour or two has passed. And so I love it. (laughs) It sounds amazing. And, you know, it's totally sensible, but in a way, maybe more meaningful for us as well because we don't have the chance to get out and drive with a real car. So it is, it is our only chance to do it, let's be honest. It's the only yeah. way we're going to be able to do this, at least for now, yeah. until you know they invent some other way for us to do it in real life, which I don't think will ever happen. But you know, driverless cars will come along and we'll get the experience of sitting in the driver's seat. That's about the closest yeah. we'll get. But I, I do think it's interesting that these, these, this game has got so much customization in it. From my understanding, it's got various ways that you can drive. Because, you know, look... Let's just get to the brass tacks here. There are people listening to this who've never played this game before, um, yeah. who have maybe heard about this, who maybe are, you know, I would say gaming curious, who are kind yeah. of thinking, maybe maybe it is time for me to get that gaming console, give this a try, try this kind of thing. Or, you know, my, my son or my daughter or a family member has got a console. Mm-hmm. I could maybe try out this game. 
Um, yeah. Talk me through how this works. I mean, so for me, from my point of view, as someone who sits down at this game, who is not particularly adept, I've got a rough idea where the buttons are on the PlayStation controller, rough idea mm-hmm. where they are on the Xbox. You know, so mm-hmm. I could, could probably navigate this thing. How am I able to drive blind? How does it actually work? There are a lot of uh, sound cues, I'll say, that that kind of work all in tandem to make this all work. And so I will try to go through all of them off the top of my head um, and try not to. There's a lot. So, I, you know, I won't try to linger on uh, one for too long unless you have like, specific questions about it. But so first, um, there is the car engine sound. And what this does is in the game for sighted players, there is called an optimal racing line. And this is a line on the track that you can follow and it will guide you through the fastest route on the track. You know, if you get if you're like an expert at driving, you may uh, drive outside of those bounds because you, you know a little bit better. But like generally, uh, it's what most players follow. And uh, it's not like a line that goes in the center of the track at all times. Like sometimes we'll be really close to the edge. Sometimes we'll cut a corner, like just things like that. Well, I remember um, this in games of the past. Right. So you would have a, like a line that you'd follow and like in, in turns and corners, you would be able to use that line to know the best position for the car to be in, the best place to be yeah, on the track yeah. for that turn. Yeah, exactly. And so what this, uh, what the first accessibility feature is, is that the car engine sound follows the optimal racing line. And so when you are to the left of the line, your car will be, uh, the, the, the sound of your car engine will pan to the left in the stereo field and okay. vice versa on the right side. And, um, and then you basically have to turn in the direction. I mean, it gets a little more complicated here because, uh, I think the default is that you turn in the direction where you hear the car. But for me, like, that's not how my brain works. And so I invert the sound. So I I imagine like pulling the car back onto the, onto the optimal racing line. But yeah. yeah. And so like, that's, that's how you know where you're supposed to go. And then there are a bunch of other supplementary audio cues. First being there are uh, cues for the track limit. So like if you're getting close to the left edge of the track, like uh, a beeping sound will begin to play. And then as you get closer to it, it'll uh, be faster and faster until it's just a solid beep. And same on the right side. Um, then you have, let's see, you have sounds for when you are approaching a turn. And this kind of, uh, you know, just allows you to prepare uh, how fast you want to go through the turn, how you want to position yourself for the turn, things like that. And as you're going through the turn, there are three nodes, so to say. So the beginning of the turn, the peak or like the apex of the turn, and then finally the like straightaway or like pulling out of the turn. And so the first two beeps that play are the same pitch to kind of let you know where you are in the turn. And then this, the third beep is a higher pitch, letting you know like, all right, you are, you are out of the turn. Uh, you can kind of floor it again. Um, and so that's really, really helpful. There are, there's a sound cue for when you're approaching a turn and you're going too fast. So the game will tell you like, hey, you need to slow down or like you will absolutely spin out right now. Um, and I personally find that one really useful. I think all um, sides of drivers should have that feature. <laughs> yeah, <able> right. <laughs> for real. <laughs> um, and then let's see. Um, then there are sounds for when you 
uh, for whatever reason, may be facing the wrong way on the track. You know, sometimes you'll spin out and your car will kind of end up in the wrong direction. So that's really nice. And then there are, then those are most of the navigational ones that I can remember. Um, then there are kind of like a few more supplementary ones, like a, a sound for when like AI has taken over your, your car to kind of like lead you into uh, the pit or a sound to let you know like what gear you're on if you're driving in manual, things like that. But um, those are the main sound cues. Uh I, I literally feel like I'm forgetting one, but I don't believe I am. But um, honestly, that, that is so interesting. And I think that's the first time I've really had this explained in a way that I fully understand. That makes total sense mm-hmm. to me. So my next question yeah. is, how do you navigate past other cars moving around you in a game? Okay, if you're driving alone, you're, you're doing like a, a circuit on your own, that's fine. But if you want to be part of a race, how does that work? How do you navigate all that? Because there's so much movement around you. Yeah, so this is... Honestly, a, a a critique, at least I have. Um, I you know like I haven't done a ton of online play, um, at least not as much as you know some other blind drivers. Um, but so when you're offline, you can turn on. I believe it's called uh, ghosting, uh, where basically uh, you know all the cars will be on the track, but you could just drive right through them. So I've that's heard about this. Online. Yeah, so the, the cars are actually yeah the cars are there. But you're yeah. just, yeah, you, you just have almost to sail through the middle of them or, or through the, the ghosts of the cars. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, this is different on multiplayer because, you know, this is a racing simulator game. Um, so mm. like all the physics are there. A lot of the rules are there, things like that. Um, and so online, you don't have ghosting. And so what I have heard is that you could get penalized um, for crashing into other cars. And so that, you know, is a little concerning, but at the same time, it's something that even sighted players do. Um, like the, these cars aren't easy to control. It's so like really only the experts are, uh, are, are going to like not touch any cars. Um, and, and there's also a difference in driving style, you know, like, Offline, if you have ghosting on, you can kind of just try to get your fastest time. But online, you you do have to worry about the other cars. So sometimes where you know you could be going faster, someone may be cutting you off or things like that. And so there, there's a, a, another layer of complexity to it. Um, and is this all in audio as well? Yeah, this is all in audio. And you can, there are a bunch of different uh, volume sliders and so you can adjust the sound of your engine. You can adjust the sound of other engines. And so generally, you can hear when you're coming up on a car. If it's, you know, if you're in a big pack of cars, again, like it's difficult for everybody. Um, so all, all in all, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a great first effort. I haven't really seen many blind people uh, griping about it at all. So um, that's good. Know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, That's a good start. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. So, I just like to highlight it, highlight that in case you know, in, in case uh, people do pick up the game and go into multiplayer thinking it's going to be the same as offline because it's diff- slightly different. So, I mean, overall, it sounds like you're having a blast with this, and you sound like you're having oh, yeah. a lot of fun. I mean, it sounds as well, if I'm honest, and this is just my thoughts on what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. not having any experience of playing the game. 
it sounds like quite a bit of sensory overload going on while you're playing it. Is that something that you just have to get used to over time? Is the does the customization help with that? Because it's, I mean, you've got so many beeps and boops going on around you mm-hmm. whilst trying to drive this car. Oh yeah, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, there's definitely sensory overload at first, and so you can customize a lot of it. First, being that let's say you don't want beeps for when you're approaching a turn, you can turn that off. You can also, you know, a lot of the beeps are kind of the same pitch. You can raise and lower the pitch of the beeps to kind of help distinguish them a bit more. Mm, um, yeah. Another sensory overload aspect is, you know, as you're driving, um, you know, there's there's fully functional text-to-speech in the game. And so as you're driving, you know, it'll read out your lap time. It'll read out your score for a particular segment, all these things. And that can definitely uh, get overwhelming as well. You can also turn off what the TTS reads during the race. And so like you do have these options. And as you start, what I've seen a lot of blind drivers do, including myself, is just turn on all of the assists and almost let the car drive itself so you can hear all the beeps. And over time, you, you begin to kind of get that muscle memory of what means what, you know? It's like having a screen reader, isn't it? You start with all the hints yeah. and all the all the verbosity you can get and then gradually you just start to tame that beast a little bit exactly like i remember uh i feel i don't know if i'm the exception to this or if other blind people were like this but you know growing up i had a nokia that i would you know text and make calls on and then when Hmm. uh, the iphone came out specifically the 3gs i uh my mom got it for me and i was like I hate this. I do not like it. It's so difficult to use, but you know, here we are. And it's like the iPhone is like seemingly one of the most useful gadgets for blind people in, in the modern age. So yeah, there's, like I said earlier, there's a learning curve to, to any type of assistive technology. It's fair to say that gameplay here is, is, you know, we could use the phrase of mileage may vary, which seems appropriate in a racing game. Um, but it's, it's down to you. It's down to your skill level. Right. And I think that, that's quite interesting because it's no longer about the accessibility mm-hmm. to some degree, right? I mean, you, you obviously have the, the challenge of having to deal with all these, these new elements that are coming in and the time it would take to learn and get used to all of that. Okay, that, that kind of puts us a little bit behind, but you can catch up. The mm-hmm. point is the game accessibility by the sounds of it puts us on the same level. So eventually, you know, and maybe not in that much time, you can play alongside other players online and 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 compete in in a game like this. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is is that like I wouldn't even say that these accessibility features put you behind at first because the way I look at it is when I first played Forza, I hadn't played a driving game in what like 17, 18 years. So I had none of that muscle memory. You know, I've I've never driven a car. And on top of that, you're dealing with realistic physics. And so I would say that's what put me behind was the physics and actually understanding how to control the car. And I think that's something even sighted people will deal with if they, they've never played a racing game before. So, yeah, really, like, if, if you are put behind by the accessibility features at first, like... It's definitely not by much, in my opinion. I think just racing games to this caliber already have a high learning curve, even for sighted people. And what kind of reaction do you get? Because when you're online playing these games, you're playing alongside people who don't 
necessarily know that you're blind, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. So what kind of reaction are you hearing from others online? Is it, is it a surprise when they learn that you're doing this? Um, so like if I'm, you know, playing by myself, I, you know, I usually keep voice chat and all that muted, but you know, if I'm like streaming on Twitch, for example, or, you know, uploading videos to my YouTube, really the, so far, the only reaction I've gotten is just, wow, this is incredible. Like, wow, blind people are able to drive a car. You know, there, I always say that there's a vocal minority of gamers who like don't want any sort of accessibility in their video games. They think accessibility ruins video games, just all this. But the the large majority of people uh, love that games are becoming more accessible. I get comments on my YouTube channel uh, almost daily about it, you know? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm so pleased that you're um, being able to do this. It kind of just makes me so excited to actually consider, you know, I like... I must admit, you know, I, I hear about games coming out like Grand Theft Auto 6 and I get all excited about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember, well, I'm probably not going to be able to play me, that. And it's me the first too. time yeah. I've not been able to play that game. Yep. And that kind of irks me a little bit, you know, because yeah. you think, oh, really? But that's I, kind of where we're at. I know. Uh, one of my, it's so frustrating. Yeah. One of my dreams is to one day help a developer make uh, an open world game accessible um, because I can, mm. I believe it can be done. Um, I mean, we, We've allowed blind people to drive a car, so, you know, that's not proof enough. Yeah. And are you playing PlayStation, Xbox? What are you choosing? What's your poison? Oh, I uh, I have them all because, you know, I I review games. I work with game studios to uh, develop new features and things like that. Um, but, is it a favorite, though? Oh, uh, yes, there is a favorite. I generally prefer Xbox, generally, and, and for pretty specific reasons to me, I feel PlayStation uh, by far has the more advanced controller in terms of technology. You know, it has like a touchpad. It has like uh, directional haptics and, and, you know, microphone and speaker built into it. But the Xbox, uh, there are a couple things that just for me put it above. One being um, I, just, I like the ergonomics of the controller way more. I just think it's so much more comfortable to hold. But um, and this this part's funny because I never see people mention it, which is why I think it's just a me thing. But, you know, sometimes if I'm hanging out with friends, I uh, like to, you know, plug in the console into the TV, even though technically, you know, as a blind gamer, we don't need it. But on the PlayStation, when you have a you know game going through the TV, it's going through the TV speakers. If you plug in headphones into the controller the audio from the TV stops and only goes to your headphones versus on the Xbox, it goes to both. And I think that's really important because 99% of the time you're going to need headphones to play games as a blind gamer. But like, I just, you cut off other people from listening to it. You know, like my girlfriend, it's kind of the same thing. Like she wants to be able to hear the game as well. And so that's like a really small, but big reason why I prefer Xbox you really can't go wrong with either of them these days. Both of them have, in my opinion, a fairly equal amount of accessible games. So, yeah, pick your poison. Ross, tell people how they can find you online because you're you're everywhere, right? You're on the internet, you're on social yep. media, you're on YouTube. Yep. I mean, so if you want a master list of all my links, you could go to my website, rossminer.com slash links. But, yeah, generally on all platforms, I'm just Ross Minor, so R-O-S-S-M-I-N-O-R. 
Um, and, and yeah, like my YouTube channel and my Twitch is kind of where I make gaming content. And then, yeah, social media is just social media uh, where I kind of advocate for accessibility, specifically in video games. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find all my stuff. Ross, thanks so much for coming on to Double Taps. Great to spend some time with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So interesting conversation. Uh, Sean, I, I know you, you didn't get a chance to get in much on that interview at all, in fact. Uh, no. <laughs> let's be totally honest. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to hear your take on all of this uh, tomorrow on the show because I'll be intrigued to talk about, is it time for you and I to maybe think about getting a games console? That's hmm. the question I find most interesting from you in particular, Steve. I know. Scott. You, your interest seems to have risen quite, quite a bit in gaming, which is cool. Well, no wonder, right? If you can start to play driving games, if you can start to play all these games and it's accessible and it's customizable to that degree as well. Yeah, I've got to say, I am intrigued. But I want to play. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? If you do go out and buy a games console, how many games do you get a chance to play? Oh, there's so many questions. We'll get into all this uh, tomorrow on Double Tap. Uh, Keep your feedback coming. We'll get to that as well. More of that to come on tomorrow's show. For now, though, uh, thank you to uh, Ross Miner for joining us and to Sean Priest. Catch you tomorrow, Thank you. Bye-bye. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.